0: going to be in leviticus 23 today if you want to if you want to open your bibles there it'll take me a minute to get there but that way you, you're prepared oh don't forget here too. take a picture of this i'm glad i looked up thanks miss t for going to the next one berean chapters this is going to help you understand a little more about what we're going to cover today especially those roman chapters right there four five nine and eleven uh, and Ephesians 2, that's going to explain and back up a few things of what we're talking about today. Uh, so, if you want to study those these this week, it's going to help us out. But man, ain't it been a beautiful couple of days as this, uh, seasons are changing. Speaking of seasons, that's what we're going to talk about today. But the seasons are changing, God's bringing stuff in us. Next week's going to be warm though, in the 80s, but man, you can just see it. And everything's getting ready to... Some of the crops getting harvested. You can drive down the highway now and see the church because the corn right in front of us is down and now you can see, see the building. and, and uh, So that's, that's awesome. We're, we're getting things going. And it's been a great and marvelous, but you know what else is going to be marvelous? On the day when the season or the appointed time comes when Jesus is going to come back and get us. That's going to be a great day. And that's what we're going to start talking about today. And I'm going to, Lord willing, talk this week and next week about this subject. And I'm, I'm going to be talking about the feasts of the Lord. And they're introduced in Leviticus 23. Um, and we're going to talk about, there's four feasts in the uh, spring of the year. And there's three feasts in the fall. And then summer separates them. And what it really is is, these feasts, you're going to see that Leviticus 23, I'm going to surprise you today Leviticus chapter 23 is one of the greatest chapters on the gospel of Jesus Christ that was written. So are you ready? He's coming back for us. Now, out of these, these feasts, like we said, the first four were already fulfilled. The last three, were're in the summertime right now we are in the summer the fall's coming and the final three feasts comes after the church age the church the time between jesus's death burial and resurrection and his second coming is the summertime it's the church age and then the fall feasts are going to come so we're going to study this and you say we're going to talk about the gospel and the old testament in leviticus really Yeah, you know what, 3,800 times in the scriptures, 3,800 times, it says that the entire word of God is still prevalent and that it came from him and is inspired. In John chapter 5, verses 46 and 47, Jesus himself made that claim to study and believe in the Old Testament writings of Moses. Look at what he said. He said, if you don't believe in those, how can you believe in me? If you believe Moses, you would believe in me. For he wrote about me. And if you don't believe his writings, how then will you believe my words? Because he was speaking those things. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? Really, you stop and think about it. Now, after his resurrection... Jesus told the disciples this in Luke 24, in verses 44 and 45. He said, These are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me, concerning him, in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. And he opened up their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. And that's what I'm hoping, Lord willing, that the Spirit allows me and you to do, is to have our understandings opened up so that we begin to understand these things and can see them clearly, that these are the Scriptures that Jesus was referring to. Listen to how he described how important these Old Testament Scriptures are that speak of him. In Matthew 5, or in uh, John 5, 37 through 40, he says, The Father himself, God the Father himself, who sent me, has testified of me. How did he do that? Well, you neither heard his voice at any time, nor have you seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you. Because whom he sent. Him you do not believe. You search the scriptures. And in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they. Which testify. Testify. Of me. But you are not willing to come to me. That you might have life. How did God the father. Testify of his son. The scriptures that he revealed. And gave to us to study. That's how Jesus is revealed. So that. The Old Testament is God's revealing. It's God's testament of who and what his son was going to be. Every word in our book, the Bible, is God-breathed. Every word is inspired. And he said, every word, Paul wrote to Timothy, every word is inspired. It's God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, For correction. For instruction in righteousness. That the man of God might be complete. Thoroughly furnished unto every good work. So every word is inspired. And reveals he says Jesus said. It reveals me. So one last thought. On why we're going to study these things. One last thought. Jesus said in Matthew 5.17 and 18. Do not think. That I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy. But to fulfill. And that's the key. For assuredly I say to you. Till heaven and earth pass away. That one jot or one tittle. Will by no means pass from the law. Until all is fulfilled. And I know what you're thinking. Because I've thought that before too. Wasn't that what Christ did though? Didn't he fulfill that? What if I tell you he fulfilled half of it? But not all of it. You see, he fulfilled all of the testimony about himself, about his coming, and his death, and his burial, and resurrection. But has he fulfilled as yet his second coming? He hasn't, has he? And the Old Testament speaks about this as well. How about Zechariah, chapter 12 and verse 10, which says that the Messiah will return... And they will look upon him whom they have pierced. You know what? That hasn't happened yet. You know how I know? Because I was asked the question, my wife asked me. Well, wasn't that after he his resurrection and they saw him during that time? Mm, that's true. They saw him. But Revelation chapter 1. When we were studying Revelation chapter 1, it says that he's going to be Coming back again with the clouds. I think it's verse 7. And it says when he comes back again the second time in the clouds. They will look upon him whom they have pierced. So has Zechariah been fulfilled? Mm -mm. It talks about his second coming. What about the book of Daniel? And all the things that it talks about on those different things that's going to happen. Those haven't been fulfilled have they? What about Job? Job. Job said in chapter 19, I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at the last on the earth. Has that happened? Mm -mm. What about Isaiah 11? Isaiah says this, The root of Jesse will sit on a throne and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked and the wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the baby goat. The calf and a young lion and a fatling shall lie together. The lion will eat straw again like the ox, and a child can play in a cobra's nest and not get bit. That time hasn't happened yet again, has it? That's still to come. And it says, as he continues that, In that day, though, there shall be the root of Jesse... And he is going to stand as the banner before his people. And it will come to pass in that day, the Lord shall set his hand again a second time to pull back the remnant of Judah unto himself. And that day is going to come. That day is going to come quickly. And none of these things has taken place. So everything that was written before time, we are told, was written for our learning. So that we might know and prepare for these things. So then I ask you to look again up there at Matthew 5, 17 and 18. After thinking about all of these things that are still coming. Now read it with different eyes. When he says, do not think I came to destroy it. I'm coming to fulfill it. I'm going to come twice to fulfill it. Assuredly, how long is it going to last till heaven and earth pass away? Well, not one jot or tittle change. Why? Because it won't be until heaven and earth passes away that all is fulfilled and we spend eternity in heaven. So until that time comes, these scriptures are prevalent for us to study and to look at. And now we get to those fall feasts, if you're there with me in Leviticus 23, because this is the gospel of Jesus Christ right here. As we look at this, verse 1 says this: The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak you to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. And wait, a minute. who's talking and whose feasts are they? God's talking and they're God's feasts, isn't it? And he's saying, What's our duty? Proclaim. Let people know about these things. Proclaim them for these are my feasts. And you know what? He says speak to my children Israel. The reason that our Berean chapters this week is Romans 4, 5, 9 and 11. As you read through the book of Romans you'll see that spiritually we are the children of Israel. Because it tells in there that... You physically were Americans. Spiritually, though, the real world, we've left our spirit, our physical habitation and we are now members of a new kingdom of God. And it says in Romans 4 and 5 and 9 and 11 that you Gentiles who were outside of Israel, God purged some of those branches that didn't believe in him, and he has grafted you in to his root. He has took you who were once a wild olive tree and made you now a part of his people. His people's always been people of faith, not genealogy. Why, and he'll go on in those chapters to say, why was it that it was not Ishmael, but it was Isaac? In whom the promise was from Abraham. And then when Isaac came. Why was it Jacob and not Esau? And you'll find out that God's kingdom has always been by election through faith. And not by lineage. And by faith we are the children of Israel. Ephesians 2 said. You were not a part of the commonwealth of Israel. You were Gentiles who were lost. You were in the dark. You had no hope. But now... Through faith in Jesus Christ and the work of Him on the cross and that blood that was shed, you've believed in that and you have been brought nigh into that household of faith because that's what that household of faith is. So, he says, speak and let my people, basically, know about these feasts. And then he says, what's a feast? We think of something like Thanksgiving, don't we? We think of food, we think of a big celebration, but we've got turkey and we've got dressing and mashed taters and gravy and macaroni and cheese and pumpkin and pecan pie. And you know what God's Word says it is? It's a drill. (laughs) It's a dress rehearsal is what He says it is. The word for feast, moed, means a holy gathering and that's why in the other part of it he says my holy convocation. Because a feast is a gathering together. We've came to recognize the celebration part of it instead of what the root word meant. That it was a holy gathering together of like-minded people. My people will gather together upon these days he says. You, these are on my calendar God's got a calendar, and we've been talking about this on Wednesday nights. That God has a calendar, and he's got his days and his months, and they're different from ours. And his way of telling time is different. Time begins at twilight, at evening time. And you'll read all through Genesis 1, the evening and the morning, day one. The evening and the morning, day two. And I'm going to tell you, we might have got far away from God's calendar, but God ain't. He's still got a calendar, and he still tells the time and the calendar the same way. And he says, on my calendar, I got some dates written that are appointments. These I'm going to keep. And he's kept the first four, and he's going to keep the last three. They're on his day timer. And he's going to be there, and what he's going to say is, are you there? Because I'm there each time. Are you going to be there with me? Genesis 1.14, we learned this last week. And we saw a wonderful video about how great this world is and how small we are compared to some of the planets. I think one of the planets, it said you could fit like 923,000 Earths inside one of those planets. And it's about 100 million light years away and a light year is six trillion miles so you take six trillion times a hundred million and that's how far in miles it is away and that's a big god that we serve it's an awesome god that we serve and he says there in genesis one fourteen, as we studied these things that he created he said and he created the lights the greater to rule the day the lesser to rule the night and The lights, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the solar system are for signs, seasons, days, and months. Signs to be a banner, a warning, a getting ready. Kind of like a trumpet call. They are for signs. And then it says for seasons. You know what seasons is? Our word right here. Moed. Appointed times. I have placed within the solar system... For you to know how to tell appointed times like days and months. And it's a holy gathering when you do. But these, these markers are for gathering togethers. Now, if you're looking up there on Leviticus 23, the first thing it starts mentioning is that these are Sabbaths. And Sabbaths were a day of rest so that you could reflect on what God has done for you in his grace. We, Sabbaths were on Saturday, the last day of the week. But also these holy days are Sabbaths as well. And they're called high Sabbaths in the scriptures. And they are days of rest too in which you do no work. But you say, well, what's that have to do with us? Well, we've got an appointed day today like a Sabbath to recognize God and to reflect upon what He has done, don't we? It's called the first day of the week. Because when I look, Acts 20 and verse 7 describes the gathering together of the church this way. It says, upon the first day of the week, you're going to gather together for a specific purpose. To break bread. You're going to celebrate you know what the first three feasts are? And we're gonna cover this in a minute, but I gotta let you know so it ties in. The first three feasts is Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Each one of them Jesus Christ fulfilled that weekend. He was our Passover Lamb. He was the unleavened bread who was buried on that day, and on that first day of the week that Matthew twenty-eight and Uh, Luke 24 and all these chapters. John 20 says that Christ arose on the first day of the week. All of these point to Christ taking care of it. So why do we gather together then on the first day of the week to break bread? Acts 20 and 7 does. Because we are remembering each week our Passover. We are fulfilling the feast going backwards as they did looking forward. The Old Testament and if, and if you want to remember this or write it down. This is cool. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. It was a shadow of the real thing. Everything written about the New Testament is in the old. But it's revealed in the new. It was hidden until then. It was a mystery as Paul writes about all the times. The mystery. But... He fulfilled those. So it says in Acts 27 that we have an appointed day, a holy convocation gathering that's on God's calendar, and it's the first day of the week. And on the first day of the week, you come together and break bread, and you are celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and remembering what He has done for us. You are basically looking backwards now to these feast days. Then it says... In 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 16, 1 and 2, you've got an appointed day. Paul says there, As I told the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you gather together and lay by in store according as to what God has prospered you. So, we are instructed... First, in one place, to gather together on the first day of the week to partake of the Lord's Supper. And in another place, he says, you are instructed to gather together yourselves into one body of Christ to lay by and store for the saints so that you can further the ministry of the work of God. And that's why every first day of the week, God is here keeping His appointments. And we need to be here keeping His appointments and remembering the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and in furthering that gospel to the world. Now, third time's a charm, right? Hebrews 10, 23 through 26 says this Let us hold fast, hang on tightly to your confession of hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and I'm glad he is. And let us consider one another so why we are gathering together we are considering each other in this body in order to stir us up to love and good works do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is but you exhort one another so much the more as you see the day approaching what day that day either of Jesus comes or you go to meeting So, if we sin willfully after we have received this knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Did you realize that in the old law, all of the sacrificial system, there was not a sacrifice for willful sin? If you will go and look at all of those, there was the sacrifice for when you come to the knowledge that you have done something, you take your animal and you go to the priest and you go make the sacrifice. When you... Figure out what you've done. There was no sacrifice for willful sins. That you made a conscious decision and you did. Those sins though on a day of atonement was rolled forward waiting for Christ. Because the blood of bulls and goats could not forgive sin. But each year all of those Willful type sins that didn't have the other sacrifice. There was a scapegoat and then a sacrificial one that was given for those. But God doesn't like willful sin. So he says, exhort each other. Encourage each other. Stir each other up in love. To gather yourselves together. To come and remember my son. Remember the grace. Remember his work on the cross. And to continue my work in this community. And that's what he says we're to do. Until that day comes. And that day, one day, is going to be that fourth or the fifth feast. The first one of the fall, which is called Yom Teruah. The blowing of trumpets. And that's here in Leviticus 23. So if you're still there, I'm coming back. I'm coming back now to these things. How did Christ fulfill those first ones? Let's look at it this way. If you're looking up there. Verse 5. God's calendar says every year. On the 14th day of the first month. At twilight. Is the Lord's Passover. Verse 6. The next day. The 15th day of the same month. Is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. And in verses 9 through 14. Is the feast of the first fruits. It's to start. What verse 11 states on the. First day of the week after the Sabbath of these first two feasts. Now, that's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ right there in those verses. Fourteenth day, Passover day. What did John say when he saw Jesus coming down to the Jordan to be baptized of him? Behold, what? The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's what this is referring to. Passover started when they were delivered out of Egypt in Moses' time. And God said, I want you to take the blood of the Passover lamb and I want you to paint it upon your doorposts. And this night I'm going to pass through and all the firstborn of Egypt is going to die. But whoever has the blood of the Passover lamb, I will pass over them and it will not come to that house. You will be delivered out of Egypt. Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb that delivers you and I from sin and Satan's hold. And that bondage that we were in. They were delivered from the bondage of Egypt. And we are delivered from the bondage of sin and Satan. And Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. You know what day he died? Passover. He was the lamb of God. And he was sacrificed by God on the cross for us. On Passover. You remember he had told Peter and John. Go in. And you're going to find a guy. And tell him that we want to come there. To celebrate the Passover feast. And they went. Found it as the Lord said. And he took him to the upper room. And they prepared it. And that night. They held the Passover feast. And remember. God's time is twilight. To the next twilight. At twilight they started the Passover feast. That night he was taken. Captured by the Romans. That Day during the day he was crucified during midday of Passover because he was the he said, I didn't came to destroy to the law but what? Fulfill, fulfill it. And he fulfilled Passover when he was crucified on the cross was Passover day. And then the next day it says is the fifteenth, its unleavened bread. When was Jesus buried? That night, wasn't he? If you'll remember, Jesus hung up on the cross from midnight to three, darkness, or from noon to three, darkness came like midnight. For three hours, he was up there in the dark. At three o'clock, daylight sprung back. In a moment, he says, it is finished. And he gives up the ghost. And then it says that the Jews, because the next day is what? A high Sabbath. It's the feast of unleavened bread. It's a holy convocation. And we can't do any work on that day. We don't want anyone hanging upon the cross. So they go to Pilate and says you got to get them down. And so he sends Roman soldiers out to break the legs of the people hanging on the cross. And they break the legs of the two thieves that's on either side. But they come to our Lord. And they look. And he is already passed. But what do they do? They take a spear And they run it into his side. And one day, they're going to look upon him whom they have pierced when he returns. And they pierce his side and forthwith come blood and water. And John says, I'm an eyewitness and I saw this. And then Joseph of Arimathea goes and he goes to Pilate and he says, I beg of you, let me have the body of Christ. And he says... I'm surprised he can't be dead yet. And he sends another centurion out. And the centurion checks. And he comes back with the report to Pilate. And he says, Jesus has died. And he says, okay, you may take the body. So he goes with a cloth that he's prepared and a tomb that he's already honed out for his family. And he goes to the cross. And now Nicodemus, the one who came to him by night, in John chapter 3, follows him. And he's got a bunch of aloe and myrrh. And they anoint his body for burial and they wrap him and they place him in the tomb and they roll the stone in front of the tomb. When? It says in the scriptures at twilight because it was now becoming the feast of the Passover and the Sabbath and they had to get him in there quick. Why did he bury at that point? Because he is the unleavened bread. He took away the sin of the world. Unleavened bread is sinless. All week They had to get leaven out of the house. So that there was no leaven in the house. And they buried the one who took all the leaven of the world. And buried him. And Jesus said in John 6. I am the bread of life. I am the bread that has come down from heaven for you. And the bread of life. He said I am the unleavened bread. And he was buried on the feast of unleavened bread. To fulfill this prophecy, to fulfill this convocation, this holy appointed time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then the next feast happens days afterwards, always on the first day of the week, which happens to be three days that year of Jesus after his burial, the first day of the week. And like we said, John 20, Matthew 28, all of the scriptures state that Mary went out early before daylight on that morning. Of the first day of the week. And the body was not there. He has arose. You know why? Because it's the feast of first fruits. On the first day of the week. And Jesus is our first fruit. The first one to be resurrected from the dead. And I'm way ahead of you. Tanya I know I've been rambling. Go to the slide of 1 Corinthians 15 now. Yeah. Right there. Look at verses 20 to 24. But now... Now, Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits. Man, are you getting chills yet? He became the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Since by man death came, by man also came the resurrection from the dead. As in Adam, in the flesh, all will die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But each one in his own order will arise. First, Christ the firstfruits. Afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming. Then will come the end, the last feast. He fulfilled the feast of the firstfruits. The end will come when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father and he puts an end to all the rule and all the authority and all the power of the evil one upon this world. Those, fall, those spring feasts and the fall feasts are the shadows of the real thing which all point to Christ. And he fulfilled them. He is the first fruit, resurrected. What caused him to be the first fruit, it says? Now he is risen from the dead and became the first fruit. He's the first one to be resurrected from the dead and somebody don't say I thought he raised Lazarus. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Jesus was resurrected into a new immortal eternal body. Lazarus back in Elijah's day and back in Elisha's day and all these prophets' days, they had the spirit come back into this body. Which was going to die again. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He was resurrected into the body that we're going to have. That 1 Corinthians 15 says it's going to be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. This mortality is going to put on immortality. That's the body he was done. And it was the first one ever. And he is the first fruit unto God and he fulfilled that and you know why it's important because if God has the power to let him be the Passover lamb to be the unleavened bread and then to be the first one risen you know what the first feast of first fruits is you offer the best the first to God and then he says I will bring the rest of the harvest and it's a promise So the promise is that those who are in Christ is the rest of the promised harvest. He was the first fruit that says it's signed, sealed, and delivered, and I'm going to bring the rest with me. All who are in Christ Jesus will come and be with Him. And that's why this is so important for us to know and to learn what's happening. You've been promised to be the next fruits to be harvested for God. Now, these are all physical, in Leviticus, physical moeds or holy convocations, drills, dress rehearsals. We had a wedding two weeks ago. What do we do on Friday before Saturday? Had a rehearsal, didn't we? That's what this word means. You do this each year according to my calendar because one day the real thing's going to come and then you'll understand. Why do we take the Lord's Supper every first day of the week? And why are we supposed to be here? It's a dress rehearsal. Are you ready? Are you ready for me? Are you believing in me? Are you remembering what I did for you? Are you encouraging everyone else to be here too? That's why it's important to study these things. Jesus is the reality of these feasts. His first coming was all fulfilled then. Next week... We're going to talk about his second coming. We're going to talk about the fall feast when the trumpet blows and the dead in Christ arise first. Isn't that what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians? First Thessalonians chapter four, verse sixteen. For the Lord Himself, He's going to fulfill the day of trumpets, Yom Terua. The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. And with the trumpet of God. Yom Teruah. The day of blowing. And that day. When he comes back. He's coming back for his bride. For us. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Because the wedding feast. Is all about Yom Teruah. And him coming to get his bride. Do you know what an actual Hebrew wedding celebration is? We need to know. Because that's what's going to happen. We're going to study about ten virgins, five who are wise and five who are foolish. They just asked him in Matthew 24, when is the last time, when's going to be the time you come, when shall all of these things be done away with? And he starts giving some parables. He gives the parable of the wedding feast, and the whole thing is, were you ready? Was your container filled with oil did you have the holy spirit was you was you doing what i told you to do and prepared so that you was ready for my coming i pray that we are i pray that all of us are and that's why we meet and we study and we review all of this stuff so that we're ready when that trumpet sound comes so as our worship team comes on back up and we close out i want to reread first corinthians 15 there As in Adam, verse 22, Adam represents the world. The the name Adam, when God gave it, meant man or mankind. So Adam was named man, actually. So he says, in man, in our flesh, in Adam, my first creature of flesh, all die. So also in Christ, my spiritual first fruit. Shall all be made alive, each one in his order, Christ the first fruit, afterwards those who are Christ at His coming, and then comes the end. And I pray we're prepared. Are you in Christ? Have you believed in Jesus? If not, man, a day's coming when the trumpet's gonna blow and you don't know the day, the hour, but it's gonna happen. I pray that you will make that decision today to be in Christ. If you are in Christ, and that's why we gather together each week, we know we're forgiven, we know we're the first fruits, and we remember Him with what we're going to do right after this in that Lord's Supper. That He was the fulfillment of the first half, and He's going to fulfill the second half and bring us with Him. So, with this, I pray that you'll be back next week. If you need to make that decision today, I pray that you make it. If not, I pray that you come back next week and bring a friend because we want them to be prepared too. And we're going to understand and learn really deep about being prepared and what it's going to be like when the Lord comes. Let's pray. Father, been convicted this week of who and what and how great you are and what great things you have done for us. You kept your appointments as promised. And so did your son. And he suffered and bled and died for us. Father the least we can do as it said in Hebrews. And in Corinthians. And in Acts. Is to gather ourselves together in a response to you. Each week. And partake of that Lord's Supper. in remembering what you've done for us. Thank you Father for every jot and tittle and word that you've placed in there to get us prepared to get us ready and to save us through the grace and the love of your son and it's in Jesus name we pray and we praise and thank you amen